Vibrations Radio Tools for Transformation. Now, quantum physics tells us that we're all energy vibrating at different frequencies, and in Good Vibrations Radio, we bring you information that allows you to change the vibrational frequency of your life. We're your source for everyday alchemy, so you can turn the lead in your life into gold. Good Vibrations Radio is made possible through the sponsorship of Magic for Life, the promoter-producer of the Rhoda Psychic Fair. Now, the Rhoda Psychic Fair has been a constant in Monterey County for the past 35 years. Our last fair was October 21st and 22nd, and our next event is October 13th and 14th at the Monterey County Fairgrounds. I encourage you to sign up for the email list on rotapsychicfair.com and goodvibrationsradio.com so you can be notified about upcoming events. Last week, Joyce Muse shared, oh, last week, Kiralani shared the vibrational energy for the month of July and all that we could expect in this transformational month. And so it was a chock-full show, and if you missed any part of it or missed the broadcast completely, visit the homepage of Good Vibrations Radio where you can find the podcast link, link over to the podcast. You can listen online or download it and play it at a convenient time for you. Now, at the last quarterly preview, which was June 29th, we shared the Osho Zen Tarot card for the transition energy from June to July, which is the major arcana card of Roman numeral 13. And the title of this card is Transformation. Transformation is the process of becoming that occurs when we let go of the need to transform or become. In other words, we do it when we release the need, the trying, the the willing, the forcing. This card tells us that now is the time for a deep let go of whatever you've been holding on to. Rid yourself of the mental clutter. Embrace change because everything must come to an end. And that makes room for the new dreams to come true. Transformation comes in its own time. And know that you're ready 
and let go of the seeking, let go of the need to do or to be more. Just be who you are in this moment and allow yourself to be comfortable with who you are. And once you do, your transformation will occur. For those who want more information about the transformation and the transformation card that was discussed at the quarterly preview, send an email to solazar at solazar at gmail.com. But before we get into the show, let me tell you a little bit more about me. I'm a, a speaker, a performer, a reader, a healer, a radio host, and an author. And I've been a part of the metaphysical community all my life, and my undergraduate and graduate degrees are in the science of metaphysics. This show shares a variety of metaphysical subjects offered by those who have explored those areas in more detail. Now, for those who listen regularly, you know I like to start each show with a reading from Day by Day with James Allen. In 1903, James Allen published his essay, As a Man Thinketh, and he chose the title from chapter 23, verse 7 of Proverbs, which says, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. It was described by Allen as a book that will help you help yourself. He wanted all of us to know that in your own thought world, you hold the key to every condition, good or bad, that enters your life. Now, I want to clarify this. This doesn't mean you can automatically prevent bad or that you can automatically make good, but you always have the choice of how you choose to respond. See, your present reality is a direct outcome of your past thoughts, intentions, and beliefs. But your future is never predestined by your past. By working patiently and intelligently on your thoughts, intentions, and beliefs, you can remake your life. You can transform your circumstances. In Day by Day with James Allen, his essay has been broken into a separate section for each day of the month. And for the ninth day of the month, James Allen shares suffering is a response to pain. Now, this is a key element of Buddha's teachings in Buddhism, is that all of life is suffering. But what is suffering about? Suffering is about our expectation not being met in response to something that happens or something that we try to do. In James Allen's Day by Day, he shares that suffering is always the effect of wrong thought in some direction. It's an indication that the individual is out of harmony with himself, with the law of his own being. You know, in May 1995, the actor Christopher Reeve, known for his portrayal of Superman, he was in a riding accident that left him paralyzed from the shoulders down, and he required a ventilator to breathe. Now, he continued to suffer pain daily until his death in October 2004. 1995, to 2004. But Christopher Reeve never chose to be a victim. He didn't choose to suffer in response to his pain. He devoted his life to helping others, especially those suffering paralysis. And he said, my feeling is you have to deal with the reality as it is, but not accept it as permanent. I'm sorry, but I just don't believe there is any reason to give up. The goal is a cure. The goal is to get up and get out of the wheelchair. And in the meantime, you deal with the reality. But if you don't have a vision, 
nothing happens. And further on, Deepak Chopra himself defined suffering as that which threatens to make life meaningless. It's almost as if when we have a pain and we give in to the pain, we're giving up. We're not seeing ourselves as healthier. We're not seeing ourselves as past the pain. We're not seeing ourselves in a situation that's better from the moment of where we are in that moment of pain. Suffering is a response to pain. Don't make your life meaningless. Now, there are a series of three things. There are a series of things I do every day that I use to help me focus on positive thoughts. I do a a morning and evening series of forgiveness prayers. I do gratitude affirmation. I do a ho'oponopono, which is I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you, which is blessing myself to clear myself of those thoughts or or attitudes or intentions or beliefs that I'm carrying that are holding me back. I also do unconditional love affirmations. And I collect a positive thought from the daily word produced by the Unity School of Christianity. And the daily word for Monday, July 9th, is I am in the flow of divine order. Now, that to me ties so well together with James Allen's message for today of suffering is a response to pain. Because it goes back to something a story that I heard the late Dr. Wayne Dyer share about bread, how people love the smell and taste and texture and feel of fresh baked bread from the oven, the warmth of it, the way the butter will melt or cheese will melt on it and it'll just melt in your mouth when you bite into it. The scent of that fresh baked bread that permeates the house or wherever you are. And what Dr. Dyer shared is that in order to make that bread, the wheat has to be grown. And in order for the wheat to be grown, the seeds have to be planted and manure has to be spread on that field. So he said, from that field of manure, the wheat is grown that creates that bread. And when we're in the flow of divine order, we recognize that while there are moments of suffering because that's human, that there are moments of suffering we will experience that we need to recognize from those moments of suffering, our wheat will be grown so that we can bake our bread. There's a gift inherent in there. It's just not always obvious. So recognize that the divine wants the best for you and that whatever we experience is intended to make us stronger, is intended to bring us to a better place. But we have to make sure that we're not giving in to the suffering in response to our pain, that we're not choosing to remain the victim. And that brings us to our guest for today. Dr. Arnie Buss received an undergraduate degree in psychology at Rutgers University and a PhD from Cornell University. He's been teaching at the undergraduate and graduate level for well over 30 years. Now his passion is facilitating and teaching classes about interpersonal communication. He works with individuals and couples to resolve their interpersonal communication issues. And in the past eight years, he's given presentations on interpersonal communication skills 
to a number of organizations in the Monterey area, really from, from San Francisco on down to South Monterey County. And he joins with us with his segment, Speaking of Listening, on the seventh, second Monday each month from 5 to 6 p.m. So let's listen to this musical introduction of Dr. Arnie Buss and Speaking of Listening. Listen to the song here in my heart A melody I start but can't Deep within, it's only beginning to find relief. And welcome to Speaking of Listening on Good Vibrations Radio with Solazar. As he said, I'm your host for this segment, Arnie Buss. Speaking of Listening is about ways of improving all of our relationships by listening from your aware heart. And while I sometimes talk about listening, and that's going to be today's focus as well, uh, speaking is also a, a part of that, and hence speaking of listening. So we'll either speak or listen. And uh, I will be giving some workshops, hopefully uh, towards the fall, on effective communication and relationship building. And to find out more, you can... Uh, email me at ahbus, that's A-H-B-U-S-S, at consciousawareheart.com. That's all one word, consciousawareheart. Remember that listening is not just about hearing the words. It's about really deeply hearing what the message the other person is conveying. And so many Therapists and counselors talk about the importance of communication in all relationships. And by relationships, I'm, I'm talking not just about intimate relationships, such as you know with a partner, a spouse, a significant other, uh, but also casual acquaintances, friendships, colleagues, bosses, subordinates. Anytime there's two people involved, there's some kind of relationship. And one of the underlying values in relationships that we value is, is that the relationship is important. Now, it's, it is true that sometimes relationships uh, do end. Sometimes uh, it turns out that uh, for whatever reason, a relationship just is not uh, meeting your needs or for whatever reason, uh, staying in a communication or relationship with some person is, is too distressing or hurtful or uncomfortable. I try not to be a Pollyanna about this. I mean, there, are, there can be situations where you just have to walk away. But that's not what the focus is here. The focus is here on situations in some kind of relationship where there is some kind of conflict. And newsflash, if you're in a relationship, there's going to be conflict. It's inevitable. <laughs> if there isn't, it means that somebody probably isn't showing up. So 
listening is one of the more challenging skills. And, and that may seem counterintuitive because, you think, well, what do I have to do to listen? I don't have to do anything. I just have to kind of sit there and, and hear what the other person's saying. It's not quite so easy. Many times what we're doing when we think we're listening is we're actually mentally engaging with our response. We're mentally tapping our foot, waiting for the other person to stop talking so we can have our say. Or we're mentally formulating a, a, a response to what they're saying that will, that will disprove them or, you know, or, or show how wrong they are. In other words, we're mentally making the other person wrong. We're mentally trying to make ourselves right and, and the other person wrong instead of really hearing what they're saying. And well, let, let me amend that to really hearing what their message is. And, because, and the reason I say that is because their message uh, is often much deeper than just what it is that they're saying. You've probably heard that much of communication is nonverbal, and I've found that to be the case as well. You may have noticed that there's sometimes a dissonance between the words that are being said and the message that's being sent. And I can hear you say, yeah, right. So think about that. So while I talk about expressing your needs, you know, that is communicating from you to the other person, uh, most of my focus is on listening because I found that that is the biggest challenge. I remember a number of years ago, I, I was participating in a workshop, and part of the workshop was uh, a group of men who had to spend five minutes in silence listening to another man who was just saying whatever came into his mind. And my, I remember that a number of the of the men who were participating in this found it very challenging to just stay quiet for for that long. And the reason I'm saying this is because that that's what they were expressing. He says, "You mean I got to sit here and not say anything for five minutes?" So it can be a challenge, and even when we're not saying anything. We're we're thinking. <laughs> As I said, we're mentally tapping our foot. Well, today I'm I'm going to address the issue of questions. And and here's here's the interesting thing that I found that uh, many of the uh, people who teach uh, communication skills talk about the importance of questions. They say, you know, it's better to ask questions than, than uh, you know, make pronouncements. And, and there's a sense that that's true. But, but what I'm going to talk about today is how, depending on what the nature of the question is and the nature of the interaction, uh, questions can be problematic. Now, there, there are a number of different kinds of questions. Uh, the most neutral is an informational question. So an informational question is, is just seeking information. It's not making uh, anybody wrong about it. And, um, but if it's not germane to what um, 
what the speaker is expressing, uh, responding with a question can be uh, disruptive to what the communication is. So, uh, for for example, supposing a friend says to you, can you believe what Charlie did before we went to the movie? And what if you responded with a question, oh, uh, what movie did you see? See, that, that, that question, even though it's <laughs> what movie did you see, purely informational question, Nothing wrong with that out of context. But in the context of this, somebody is expressing, the other person is expressing a, a feeling, and and you're kind of focusing on, on what movie did they see, and you're kind of missing what the message is. Because the message that he's sending is that there was, you know, so, so, uh, was something that Charlie did. Now, he didn't say what Charlie did, and so it... it a natural thing to do is to is to ask, well, what, what did Charlie do now? And here's where asking a question with a statement can be much more effective in this particular case. So, the, you know, the question might be, you know, oh, well, what did Charlie do? But that, too, is missing the mark a little bit because it's it's not so much what he did, although that, that's that's a, an important piece of information, but it's how the speaker is responding to that, the, the, the emotions that are um, that, that are coming up. And when it's said like that, you know, especially with some energy, can you believe what happened? Then there was something about it that was distressing. So I found that a more effective response, instead of asking the question, to respond with a statement that will lead to the same result as, as the question. So, you know, so, so something happened that distressed you before the movie. Again, you don't want to make Charlie wrong. The idea is not to make anybody wrong. And so unless it's absolutely necessary, I would actually not refer specifically to Charlie because in the, in the context of this, of what the person said, it's it's clear who who's what this means. So instead of saying, oh, you know, what 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 happened or what what did he do, you know, so um, so something happened that caused you distress or that you know that was not okay with you. Okay, another type of question is a a close-ended kind of question, and they, they, these are usually not. Uh, Problematic per se, but but again, in context, can uh, can lead to kind of a dead end, especially if you're trying to um, to open up a conversation. I mean, a closed-ended question can be answered in a few words or yes or no, and uh, and the the problem with closed-ended questions is they can sometimes make the other person feel interrogated. So, did you like the movie? Yeah. Or his, how was your day? Well, <laughs> fine. <laughs> what did you do in school? I mean, the, the, these are questions that that well-meaning parents will will sometimes ask their their children, and be confused at why the children aren't being responsive. And the the answer to me is that it acts. These questions kind of serve like interrogation. Now, I mean, if you're a 
a lawyer and you're cross-examining or interrogating a witness on the stand, then, at least from my understanding, the most what you're trying to do is you're, you're actually trying to make a point. And so you will ask leading questions or, or close-ended questions that will that you know the answer to, at least if you're a good lawyer, and and that'll lead you to what your outcome is. But see, in this case, a lot of times the lawyer's relationship with the uh, witness uh, is an adversarial one in that context. So there there isn't really a relationship there. In a relationship, you know, kind of being a prosecuting attorney is not uh, ideal. So, I mean, if like if your daughter comes home from school and she's clearly upset, you know, you, you know, you say, well, what what, what happened? What happened at school? Um, especially if she's a teenager, chances are nothing. When it's obviously that it's obvious that something happened, and the problem is, is that the question in this context will tend to shut her down. Now, open-ended questions, now at at their best, can sometimes invite the speaker to expand. And I think these open-ended questions are the ones that people uh, sometimes recommend. You know, so you might say, you know, well, instead of "Did you like the movie?" you might say, "Well, what 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 did you like about the movie?" or "What was your favorite scene in the movie?" Or you might ask, you know, "What what was the high point of the day? What was your favorite part?" But even these can make the other person feel interrogated. And in a listening context, they can be not bad. You might say, well, is there anything more like you'd like to say about that? Or, you know, do you have any more ideas about what happened? Or how do you feel about that? Or what do you think about that? Now, each of these, while, while these questions are I say they're not bad. They can be improved by using what I've called gentle probes, that is, statements which ask a question without asking a question. And then finally, I mean, just to kind of return to our lawyer, I mean, usually the lawyerly questions on a hostile witness are are entrapping or these come across as entrapping. You know, where were you? Well, why did you do that? Or what did you see? Uh, I remember <laughs> two questions I've heard, and again, I uh, not to diss Dr. Phil because you know sometimes he, uh, but I, I've heard him ask very pointed questions that were putting people on the spot. Like, what were you thinking? Or who are you people? I, I've heard him ask those questions. So even when questions are not too bad they can still be a bit of a drag on the dialogue. And again, in in the context where, where something important is coming up or feelings are coming up, it's important not to have, make the other person feel entrapped or interrogated. The objective of effectively listening via tracking, as I've spoken of, is to help move the speaker into their aware heart. And in fact, this is almost a physical thing that when you when you become skilled at tracking, 
you can really sense the energy move into the locus of their heart area, literally. The final problem with a question is that typically with a question, you have to go into your head to find the answer. And moving into your head moves you away from your heart. So what you're doing is you're energetically moving the speaker away from where you want them to be. Again, the idea isn't to, you don't want to try to, uh, just to be clear, we're not trying to manipulate anybody into into being anywhere. The idea is to, with tracking, is you just kind of follow along with them. You walk with them verbally. And they will naturally go to their aware heart. If you track them effectively, if you hear the message, especially the message beneath the words, or hear the feelings and and validate them and and, and hold that space and, and hold them uh, and that sends the message to them without as many words that they're okay and you see them as okay. See, and when you ask a question, you, you, you know, it raises the, you, you know, you can hear this at the end of the sentence. I, I have a friend in Toastmasters who one of his bugaboos is something called up-talking. And you hear that, you, you sometimes hear that a lot. And it's, um, there, this is really kind of another discussion. Um, but the, the problem with up-talking is it tends to, uh, when you're expressing something, it tends to uh, uh, subvert your authority because you're kind of quite you're saying okay here here's what i think but but is 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 it really okay you know you know like you know i i live in monterey or i teach effective listening again that that kind of sends a, but the hearing that raise in the voice at the end sounds like a question and and again many of us react negatively to a question so when you're tracking someone and you find it necessary to, to get information, instead of asking a question, you want to change the question into a questioning statement, which I've called a gentle probe. Again, as, as to recap what I was saying before about, you know, what, what did Charlie do? Um, again, the instead of saying, well, what, what did Charlie do? He says, you know, so something happened that caused you distress or something happened that was not okay. Something happened before the movie, if you want to make it you know, more specific. And by dropping your voice at the end, that also sends the other message of, of the other person being okay. Because when you drop your voice at the end of a sentence, it's like you're, you're, it's expressing a kind of finality and acceptance of what is. And I found that pretty much every question can be turned into a gentle probe with a little bit of rewording. So instead of saying, you know, well, what happened? You you could say, well, you know, so, uh, so something happened. And again, context is important. This is in response to somebody expressing some kind of distress as there were. So instead of saying, maybe there's, you know, is there more you'd like to say? You could say, you know, well, Maybe there's more you'd like to express. Or, I mean, here's here's another track. You know, why did you do that? I mean, most of us are going to feel defensive 
when in hearing that. Contrast that with you know with how this sounds. You know, us. So you did that for a reason, or there was a reason that choice was made. If you feel some, you know, somebody <laughs> uh, being angry, here's a <laughs> here's a little thing. Uh, when somebody's angry, and never, never, <laughs> never uh, use the word angry uh, <laughs> for uh, when somebody's angry, because the chances are you're going to hear, "I am not angry." Why? Because you know that people were, somehow we're uncomfortable with anger, and if we're upset about something, having it pointed out just makes us more angry, <laughs> and continues denying that we're angry. Now, depending on the nature of your relationship, I mean, there can be all kinds of trapping and trapping questions, like, uh, uh, "Do you do you really care about me?" or "Is there someone else?" Or does this dress make me look fat? And these are all entrapping questions. And it doesn't have to be a dress. I mean, you know, do these pants make my, my butt look fat? You know, again, could be a guy, could be a girl. You don't think guys have body issues? Well, <laughs> uh, anyway, the point is, is that uh, now, when we hear entrapping questions, what you want to do is track the intent behind those. So, you know, sometimes somebody can be misreading what's going on. You know, so like I, I may not be angry, but somebody says, why? Why are you so angry? I am not angry. Ah, you're, you're denying it. Of course you're angry. I, I can see you're angry. So instead of that, instead of that, if if you're in your aware heart and be you you can't be in your aware heart and be angry at the same time. You know, you might uh again the, the, this this kind of calls for a questioning like thing like why why did somebody think I was angry? So again, instead of asking that as a question back, you know, you might say so so there there's something you noticed that led you to that conclusion. It's important when you hear an entrapping question or a, a high energy question to stay in your aware heart and understand that the question is coming from a place where the other person is, at least for now, not okay. In other words, they're not in their aware heart. Because if, if they were in their aware heart, they would they would seek the information in a way that doesn't make you wrong. So when you're asked a question and you feel like you're being made wrong, then understand it's not about you, it's about the other person. That is, the other person is trying, is, is seeing you as not okay, and they're, they're for whatever reason, trying to uh, get to some place where they can be okay. The best way you can help them is to track them. And so there, so instead of answering the question, to track the intent of the question, that is, never, never, I mean, ultimately you do, if there's, an, if there's information that they're seeking, 
then you don't want to keep tracking them and not giving it to them. But make sure that you understand the intent of the question before answering it. And again, if if the conversation is relatively neutral and we're just it just at an informational level, then then there's no need for any of this. Like you know, where do you want to go to eat tonight? You know, uh, I you know I feel like Chinese tonight. You know, okay, what what let's go to our favorite place again. Just you know, um, relatively neutral. So the, there, you know, it's not that questions are always bad. In a problem area, though, and when emotions are are present, when feelings are are creeping in, then questions can be problematic, and they are best replaced with these gentle probes, with these statements that are they're they're kind of questioning statements, but they're structurally a statement. The voice drops at the end. It does not rise at the end as you do with a question. And usually it just takes a slight rewording of that. And with, with practice, you know, you can find, uh, you know, practice I found at least that it that it comes out uh, fairly naturally without my even thinking about it. At first it can seem very unnatural. And especially if you, uh, the most effective way to use it is just in, in a conversational way without um paying uh, you know without kind of pointing a lot of attention to it uh, you know and that's because if at least <laughs> in my experience when i was first uh, learning some of this and and trying it out uh, it was a bit clumsy and i'd sometimes say you know boy you why are you talking so weird i found with practice I, I don't really hear that so much anymore. Why? Because I I, I don't use it as a as a tool as, as a technique. I it just is becomes part of uh, the way that I'm, I interact. So when I notice that there's some energy going on, then I, I just naturally respond with tracking, and, and that just comes with practice. So if you're trying some of this out. And it doesn't always go so well. Uh, take take heart, and and keep at it, because I can assure you that it will eventually reach a place where uh, it it's a much more effective way of of communicating. Uh, it's a much more effective way of making sure that the other person really understands that you understand what they're saying, and it has a huge. Uh, effect, positive effect on all relationships. Now, uh, speaking of which, the thing about questions, again, is that uh, when when you hear a question that you don't know why they're asking it, uh, one kind of boilerplate way of responding is uh, is the following statement I found very useful, which is, uh, so you, you have a reason for asking. 
In other words, just because you're asked a question doesn't, you know, even by somebody who you care about, that doesn't mean that you have an obligation to answer it. Now, and again, we're, I'm, we're, we're ta- I'm talking about situations where it's entrapping, situations where there's a problem going on. And as I said, if you're in any kind of relationship, there will be a conflict at some point. The difference is not the existence of conflict. The difference in relationships is how that conflict is managed. And the most effective way I found to manage conflict is through this tracking. By maintaining an attitude of not making the other person wrong, not being a victim, not making yourself wrong, and recognizing that the conflict really has nothing to do with the other person or yourself, but is this third area. And the idea is to get to a point where the two of you are working together to find a mutually acceptable solution. And in almost all cases, maybe not all, but almost all, that can be done. Well, you have been listening to Speaking of Listening on Good Vibrations Radio. I have been your host, Arnie Buss, and I so thank you for joining me. You can hear Speaking of Listening every second Monday at 5 o'clock right here on Good Vibrations Radio. To learn more about these this tracking and effective listening and more in my workshops, you can email me at ahbus at consciousawareheart.com. Again, A-H-B-U-S-S, Conscious Aware Heart, all one word. You, My Facebook is Aware Heart. And my somewhat, <laughs> I've been off Twitter, so uh, maybe I'll skip the handle on that just because uh, somehow... Twitter has not been very pleasant for me these days, so uh, I don't know why. But you can also come to my website, which is www.consciousawareheart.com. Again, consciousawareheart, all one word. And until next time, remember, listen with your heart. You should have listened. There is someone here inside. Someone I thought had died so long ago You can connect to Dr. Arnie Buss by going to ConsciousAwareHeart.com, and you can link to his website through the guest page of GoodVibrationsRadio.com. As I mentioned at the beginning of the show, on Friday, June 29th, we held the quarterly preview for July, August, and September at the Monterey Elks Lodge. Joyce Muse shared the astrology, Kirilani shared the vibrational energy and numerology, and I shared the wisdom of the tarot. Now, the Osho Zen Tarot card for July is Roman numeral 9. This card is titled Aloneness. In a traditional Tarot deck, this card would be the Hermit, but aloneness is much more than the Hermit. It's a reminder that we don't need others in our life to bring out our light. 
Now, I'm not talking about the others actually bringing out our light, but that if we're not with a partner, we can't bring out the full light of who we are. That's nonsense. And that's often a debilitating thought process that holds us back from being the full expression of who we are. In the Osho Zen Tarot deck, The Card of Aloneness, it has a figure walking, emanating a light from within, reminding us to be the light unto yourself. The difference between aloneness and loneliness is loneliness comes from a longing for another, a sense of lack or absence. Aloneness comes from a sense of presence, a sense of cooperative contemplation. See, through aloneness, you connect your soul with your roles in the world. Aloneness is the full presence of self, the full expression of your light. This month is a powerful month. At this moment, we have six planets in retrograde. Chiron and Aries went retrograde July 4th. Mars and Aquarius went retrograde June 26th. Neptune and Pisces went retrograde June 18th. Jupiter and Scorpio went retrograde March 8th. Scorpio and Capricorn went retrograde April 17th. And Pluto and Capricorn went retrograde April 22nd. Retrograde is a time for internal reflection. There could not be a better time than right now for exploring our internal drives, our motivations, our desires, our true intentions, and find out if we're operating from a place of loneliness or aloneness. Now today, July 9th, at 7.32 p.m. Pacific, Venus will enter Virgo. Now, as Venus moves into Virgo, the energy will create a willingness for those in relationships to work on their relationships, perhaps to practice some of the skills Dr. Buss was talking about. They want to make it better and make it better for both parties. It won't be a very self-centered type of work on the relationship. Now, the people, this Virgo energy is not about wanting flowers or gifts or fancy baubles. It's about attention, devotion, loyalty, and commitment. The things that truly create the rock-solid foundation. Just as Dr. Buss was sharing, most often when relationships come apart, it's because at least one party, if not both, have given up trying to reach the other party. So if you're not presently in a relationship with this move of Venus into Virgo, you may find yourself trying to trade up partners from your last partner. But you need to be very cautious that you don't fall into the trap of trying to mold a new partner to fit your preconceived image of what you want the partner to be. After all, Virgo does believe she knows better. That would just create a new trap in the relationship because for whatever cause that the last relationship came apart, there's still a part of a wound inside each of us that we carry from those relationships that leads to a place inside of us that is more the deep impact of why that relationship came apart. Oh, you may not have done something wrong or you may not have uh, done anything that could be considered the deal breaker for the relationship, but you're carrying a wound inside from all of that. And the wound is not just no longer being with that person 
The wound is what caused you to go into that relationship. Did you go in with true genuineness of purpose and self? And did you separate from that relationship with yourself intact? Those are the areas that you have to look at before you try trading up for someone new. Oh, it may seem good, it may seem fun, it may seem new. But be careful about just putting a new coat of paint on that wound as you go forward, especially with Chiron being retrograde right now. Chiron is the wounded healer, as you may know, and I spoke about that at length in last week's show. Now, on Tuesday, tomorrow, July 10th, Jupiter in Scorpio goes direct at 10.02 a.m. So that leaves five retrograde planets behind instead of the six we have at this very moment. Now, when Jupiter went retrograde in in uh, March 8th and now returns direct, the moment we hear retrograde, almost an astrological alarm bell goes off in our heads. Now, most of us are familiar with Mercury retrogrades, which happen traditionally three to four times a year. But we tend to assume that all retrogrades mean something out of sorts will occur because Mercury is known for disrupting communications, electronics, uh, driving, uh, computers, all types of things. So all get disrupted. But Jupiter is a beneficial planet. It's one of the what's known as the benefics or benefics. And it's associated with good fortune, wisdom, and progress. So during the Jupiter retrograde, all those gifts are still active and they're still available. They're just moving slower. So if you felt held down, you'll find the release coming going forward after uh, 10.02 a.m. Pacific time tomorrow, Tuesday, July 10th, when Jupiter goes direct. A nice time when you may suddenly find the progress that was stalled coming to you. But our big enchilada this week is Thursday, July 12th, when we have the new moon and solar eclipse in Cancer at 7.47 p.m. on Thursday. Now, a solar eclipse occurs when the moon is between the Earth and the sun, and it's also referred to by astrologers as a sun-moon conjunction. They're at the same degree, at the same moment. Now, at the moment that the moon's between the sun, the moon blocks the sunlight, which symbolizes a state of darkness for all mankind. On a daily basis as humans, we focus on and work with what we see. But that's exactly the behavior the eclipse will disrupt. From the moment the moon blocks the sun, it forces us to explore the more unfamiliar territories and consider new options. See, solar eclipses are new beginnings. And despite the fear and anxiety that comes with change, the universe knows what's best for each and every one of us. So find where you have cancer in your natal chart. Capricorn is directly across Cancer in the zodiac wheel, and as they're complete opposites of each other in every sense of the word. Now, keep in mind, everyone's chart is completely different. So the solar eclipse will affect people very, very differently, and it will spark different circumstances. However, the themes of Cancer and Capricorn remain the same, mother versus father, Cancer mother Father Capricorn, emotions, cancer, versus reality, Capricorn, comfort, cancer, responsibility, Capricorn.
Capricorn. The other part also is the solar eclipse will have an opposition to Pluto. Now, Pluto, of course, is about transformation. It's about death and rebirth and soul evolution. So despite the fear of change, this eclipse does have everyone's best interest at heart. So if you've been uh, reluctant to change or have been hesitant to make a move, this energy may or may not get the job done for you. See, with the solar eclipse in Cancer, which is opposite Pluto in Capricorn, we're transforming Pluto both physically and emotionally, which is the sun. Pluto, physically, sun, and emotionally, I'm sorry, we're transforming, which is Pluto, physically, which is the sun, and emotionally, which is the moon. The factors and how depend on where Cancer and Capricorn fall in your natal chart. Now, something else that's interesting is uh, is we're being forced to look within and confront our own fears. Where is your power being taken away from you? I mean, this is a, a beautiful energy, especially for those who have been victims of maybe addictions or bullies or narcissists or manipulators. Pluto retrograde pushes us to stand up for ourselves and not to mention overcoming obsessive behaviors. At the same time, we're going to end up with a grand trine of Uranus, Venus, and Saturn. Yeah, this is big. Like I said, this this is a big Thursday. Now, the grand trine and the scrying between Uranus and Taurus, Venus in Virgo, she just moved in today, or is moving in today, and Saturn in Capricorn. And these elements represent, um, the element Earth represents stability and practicality and, and the material world, you know. And so these three, we have Taurus, Virgo, and Capricorn, all Earth, they're coming together in the sky in a grand trine, and this could bring both security and long-term results for all of us. For example, Venus trying Uranus could spark a, a surprising love interest and inspire exciting uh, new ways to bring pleasure into your life day by day. And speaking of love, Venus trying Saturn inspires commitment and long-lasting relationships. And this energy makes us more serious about the things we love as well. And last, certainly not least, Saturn, trying Uranus, brings solid change. And this is a great energy for new products and new interests overall. So Uranus brings the change and Saturn solidifies it. So as you can see, this is a powerful, powerful week for all of us in terms of what's going on, not just astrologically, but also based on the card for the month, the aloneness, the energies this week, and this new moon solar eclipse, which is really going to bring us to new levels of knowing ourselves if we choose to be open and allow it. So for this week in July, remember, suffering is a response to pain and that you are in the flow of divine order, whatever happens. Allow yourself to receive the shifts and changes that are coming this week. As Jupiter returns direct tomorrow, as we have our solar eclipse, new moon in Cancer on Thursday, our grand trine in Earth 
on Thursday, as well as the Pluto opposition to cancer. It's going to be a powerful, transformative week. Allow yourself to receive and shift. As we close, I want to once again share the anonymous poem from Empower Astrology. In the midst of hate, I found there was within me an invincible love. In the midst of tears, I found there was within me an invincible smile. In the midst of chaos, I found there was within me an invincible calm. I realized through it all that, in the midst of winter, I found there was within me an invincible summer. No matter how hard the world pushes against you, within you there's something stronger, something better, pushing right back. Whatever you give, do so from your heart. Do your daily practice of gratitude by saying, thank you for everything, I have no complaints whatsoever. Choose to express from love in all your encounters. I live and practice loving kindness in all situations. Accept yourself fully. I accept and love myself unconditionally. Open yourself fully to love using the affirmation, I surrender all to love. Express and heal yourself by doing ho'oponopono, I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. Remember, you're not the victim. You have a choice. Thank you for listening to Good Vibrations Radio. We'll talk again Monday, 5 to 6 p.m., when Joyce Muse will share the celestial phenomenon for the rest of July and going into August. And until next week, remember to turn the lead in your life into gold. Thank you for listening. Many blessings. Namaste. Oh!